Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. This is Nicolene Peck and Paige Peck. Hi. Hi, Pagey. That's what I call her. I call her Pagey. Pagey. <laughs> oh, great mom. I know. <laughs> Sometimes I call her Pagey Pie, but that's just for me and her. Anyway, I have little... Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> True. I have little nicknames for all my all my children. I call London, London Lady. I don't know why, like when they're little, you know, you make these little names up and they just stick forever. Anyway, today on the Teaching Self-Government Podcast, we're going to be talking about our brains. Okay, so that's exciting. Our brains and specifically how our brains, maybe even our whole persons, and that's not grammatically correct, are affected by digital media okay digital media is part of our world it's everywhere around us and we see the effects of digital media at least some of us who have been around a little longer probably see the effects better than some of the children or people who have been part of this digital world their their whole life but even Paige who is another generation from me uh, she has recognized things that she can see definite differences of the negative effects of digital media. And that doesn't mean there's all negative. There's a lot of positive that comes with digital media, but that's sort of a podcast for a different day. Uh, we are not, not planning on doing the positive side of digital media today. So let's just look at, at what kind of <laughs> negative effects. Focusing on the negative. Yeah, oh, that doesn't <laughs> sound good, does it? Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Well, as always, we look through our topic for the day through the lens of self-government. So self-government in a nutshell is understanding how you process what your tendencies are, the way you think, the way you behave, the way you interact with other people, planning for your greatest success so that you feel the most freedom. It is freedom-based, freedom-based, so that you feel like you have communicated the best you can, you have conquered the things you don't like about yourself, that is self-government and it creates a truly free family and free society. So, and you can learn a lot about self-government on our website, teachingselfgovernment.com. But before mm -hmm. we get into this topic of understanding digital media, how it affects children, especially, but really anybody, because this whole topic's for anybody, Let's talk about something fun that we can be doing with our families. We've made a tradition of having a fun family activity. And obviously, you could even use it with your friend groups. But here's a fun one today. So, Paige, what activity do you have for us today? Oh, I have a good one. So, it's a murder mystery dinner. So, this is something that was brought to me by, you know, just a stranger at my work. And we were talking 
And she's like, oh, yeah, I did it with my family. It's been like the best quarantine activity we've ever done. And it was so fun. And so she what she did is she wrote up a scenario and she assigned each person in her family a role or a character in this scenario. And so, you know, they drew slips of paper and one of the slips of paper had an X on it, which meant that they were the murderer, but they couldn't tell anyone. And so after they received their roles or their characters, then they had to go and dress up as their character with whatever they could find in the house. So sometimes <laughs> those costumes got really exciting. <laughs> I love that. But, you know, they had to, right? They had to stay within their character. And so then, you know, while they were finding their outfits and stuff, and she told me it took like a good half hour for them to put their, their outfits together. Um, but, you know, she, the mom finished it, getting dinner ready and getting on the table and stuff. So then you know, everyone, everyone came back all dressed up. And they sat around the dinner table, still in character. And they had to figure out who the murderer was while they ate, you know, this dinner. And as you were telling me about it, I just thought, oh my goodness, this sounds like so much fun. It is. And so, it so- is so much fun. So, Paige, <laughs> when you were in Michigan for that year and a half that you lived there, we actually did one mm-hmm. of these murder mysteries with London and Right, you're telling me about that. Yeah, and their friends, and it was a right. Now I had you. You have to have one person who's like the planner. There is somebody who has to know the whole thing. So one member of the family has a different role than everybody else. So mm-hmm. I was the planner. I made all the food, handled the decorations. I did tell everybody else to come up with their own costumes because obviously they can do that. Um, <laughs> but I also had to have all of the clues. And the different things that they would read, their bios, so that they would know who they are before they came to the party. Um, and I had to know who mm-hmm. the killer was and how the murder was going to play out and all that kind of stuff. So there does have to be one person who's kind of in charge. But it is a riot. And if you don't want to write your own. <laughs> so I, I kind of half wrote mine. I found an idea and then I sort of modified it and, and, and made it what I needed for our size group that we wanted to have and and stuff and then um you know tailored it right i love doing stuff like that but if you don't want to write your own you can buy them as boxed kits that have all of the characters and stuff like that you're just going to want to be really careful that you get one that's maybe family friendly if you're going to be doing it with children and you might want to check a maturity level or something like that because you know (laughs) some i mean as you can imagine murder mysteries it could be you know, some of the characters could be a little racy and it could be more of, yeah, it could be more of a little (laughs) an adult type thing anyway. But, um, but that is a fun idea. And yeah, here we are making this podcast during quarantine time. And, um, that would be such a fun quarantine activity. I just love it. It maybe I'll put London in charge of doing one for the rest of our family and not be the person in charge anymore. I don't know. That sounds like London would be good at it. Actually, she would be phenomenal at it. She really would. She is. That's her kind of thing (laughs) for sure. So anyway, ah, little London. Anyway. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Thanks. Good idea. So let's talk about our brains, right? Let's get into the gray matter. I thought it was pink. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's gray. I mean, I've never really been in there with my eyes, but this, I'm going on good authority. It's kind of gray. Anyways, so, so, 
let's talk about this. Digital media affects the brain. First off, what do you think, Paige, if you just took a guess, what do you think usage, media usage is like for people your age? I mean, this is just a guess. No, no research per se, except for your own observations, uh, people in your apartment complex, people on campus who you never get to see anymore because of quarantine. But, but what, when you did see <laughs> them, what would be your guess on how much media usage, I'm talking like videos, texting, social media, I mean, technically if they're on there for their schoolwork, but let's not count schoolwork just to be nice. Well, how much time do you think college students are, are doing on, on media right now? Well, maybe not right now. Now, are we talking during? Not during, not during quarantine. <laughs> are we talking during the semester or during spring break? Oh, that's true. Let's just stick to just, you know, whenever regular life, non-quarantined life, okay? And maybe during the semester, during college semester. What do you think? Okay. I would say at least three to four hours. At least three to four hours for your regular college student per day. How much study time but are they putting most in? Most likely one. Well, that depends on the student. But roughly, probably like two or three, unless they're super studious, then like four or five. And so this is not including class time. So they would have class time, two or three hours of study, two or three hours of media or just random wasted time. Are they going to be are they going to be organizing this time and saying, OK, I'm going to do my three hours of study and then I'm going to do my three hours of media or what's it going to look like? I mean, if you're my boyfriend, yes. But if you're anyone else. <laughs> I love that. That's so probably not. <laughs> okay. OK, probably not. So so what is it going to look like? When is, is the media going to come first or well, what's going to happen? How are they going to find that media? What How? Honestly, it's probably going to look like they sit down to study and then their phone goes off and they find themselves an hour later in Facebook. Okay. When they're supposed to. Okay. So this is exactly how it's happening to the majority of people. So there's a Gallup poll. Now this is from Tyler Jacobson's article on how technology affects the way our brain works. Um, he said one Gallup poll revealed that more than 50% of all smartphone users in the U.S. check their mobile devices a few times an hour or more. And an astounding Oof. 63% can't bear to part with their mobile gadgets, keeping their, them nearby while they sleep at night. Yeah, that is a, a ton. That is a ton. Like when I look at that, I'm like 70% or more checking a few times per hour. And what happens when you check? You find things that weren't there before. I know. So it's almost like you're like. Or you don't. And then you're like, oh, no one loves ah. me. Paige, I hope that really isn't you. <laughs> no, not me. But... I'm like, uh-oh, we need to have a talk. <laughs> No, 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 I'm, no. I'm kidding. But um, but like, yeah, you could feel like your life is pretty boring if nobody posted something in the last 15 minutes. <laughs> and the thing is, is like, if you look on there, you could get trapped in there for how long? Hours. Yeah. So one every hour you look at your phone multiple times for a couple of hours. 
that doesn't even add up. <laughs> like, that's crazy. So literally you could get trapped in there all the time and not even know what happened. Never see the outdoors. I mean, or if you are outside, never appreciate them because you're always looking at something else and thinking of something else. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of happened when I first got like my first smartphone when I bought it. I was 17, almost 18. And when I got it, I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. you, you know, and I'm like, I'll oh my goodness. Problem with that just so, so that I don't get a bad mommy mark for your problem I, I will tell you the problem with that so she <laughs> yes gotta defend yourself <laughs> she actually no and I will say it's none of her well, fault it was she, all me so she went for a few months to nanny for a family in Ecuador and the the friend of ours that she was nannying for was like hey you're almost 18 do you want to buy my smartphone and because I'm getting a new one or whatever or something and so she's like hey mom can I get this phone and I was like oh and I felt really not like I loved the idea but I was like well she is almost 18 and she needs to start learning how to use it and like really govern herself with it the problem was I wasn't there at first and so you got that phone and I wasn't there to help you set up all the parameters. Okay. So like right. now, like for instance, Porter, he just turned 16. So he has a little phone he's using and that thing has to be in my room every night charging in my room. There's certain safety things on it and whatever. And I mean, there's a lot more. That's how I usually handle the situation. And, um, yeah, we did, mm -hmm. we did live and learn a little bit there because you actually had a smartphone even before your older brother had a smartphone because he was doing some service work for our church and he didn't get home until after that. So that was kind of our first taste mm -hmm. of smartphone-ness and the whole family really became concerned about Paige when she came home from Ecuador and it was like, she kept looking at it all the time and we were like, uh, this is not okay. <laughs> and then, and then how many talks did we have to have about governing the thing? And by then you'd already developed some issues. So let's talk about some of those issues that people, that yeah. people can develop. So that was, that was a no bueno. Okay. On my part, I'm saying no bueno <laughs> because you were in Ecuador. Okay. But that was, that was a no bueno. And I, um, I probably should have gone with my first gut feeling on that one and just said, nope, we'll wait till you get here and we'll handle it the right way. But um, there was some social pressure there from that other family. And, and, well, you. and like, I just kind of decided to do it myself and I had some extra money on hand. I'm like, a phone could be nice because I didn't go there with a phone. And traveling without it is a, a phone little bit scary, and that was the other but... reason I allowed you to do it because I was like, well, I will be able to contact her more, so that could be better. And and so there were multiple reasons yeah. why it happened, but what the problem was, you didn't get the pre-teaching ahead of time, so you got sucked in. Right, I didn't get the proper the proper yeah, training. So you got sucked <laughs> in. I mean, we had been pre-teaching on the dumb phone, the little flip phone that you had, but that wasn't the same as a phone with with data and internet and you know, all kinds of other things, different texting capabilities and everything. And so we just 
that's normally something I like to do. It doesn't take a long time to do, but you got to establish a good habit. Right. And we didn't do that for that phone. Mm -hmm. And, and so that was a problem we had to conquer. It's true. Um, anyway. Okay. So I want to just say about children. All right. And children's usage. So back in 2018, there was a study done. Um, and Dr. Rick Nauert said, uh, about this study, most kids are in front of screens this is two years ago okay 2018 that most children are in front of screens five to seven hours per day now keeping in mind we're in a quarantine right now i'm imagining that has gone up yeah especially (laughs) because a a lot of schools are having their you know, computer lessons online and such like that. So anyway, so let's talk about this. We've got many different uh, things to discuss here. Multiple of our our points, we're going to share 10 ways technology is altering our brains. Some of these ways, like five of them are going to be ways that were discussed in how technology affects the way our brain works by Tyler Jacobson. That's an article that you can look up. Um, And then there are going to be five other things that we're adding to it because we felt like there were more important things that he didn't hit that we wanted to add on. So number one, let's talk about number one page. What's the first one? Well, number one is that, people now have shorter attention spans and are more distracted, which is so true because, you know, with media, we've become accustomed to knowing the information right away or, or if the information takes a little bit longer than having something to visually capture our attention while we wait for verbal information. And the visual, the thing is, is what's happening through the eyes to the brain. That's an interesting connection there, the two of those things together. And of course, I'm not, you know, a a neurologist and neuroscientist and, you know, brain doctor. That's not me. But I do know that you can look at segments of, say, Sesame Street, you know, Sesame Street's broken into little segments. It's like a DK book. Okay, yeah, even our books are are segmented up into little boxes because we almost can't even handle anything more (laughs) than a box which is weird um but so the the sesame street little segments used to be about 12 seconds long like 11 or 12 seconds you can time them you know sunny days taking the clouds away you see him come all the way up the street and the kids playing in the sandbox you see the whole interaction one gets up goes talk to the other one they come back share a toy you know i mean we're seeing like 12 whole seconds of an interaction (laughs) and people were fine with that well the those little segments have gotten shorter and shorter and when i say segment i mean like this so there might be a segment that's five minutes but the shot will be like 12 seconds. Then here's a, an eight second. And then here's another 11 second. Then here's a 12 second, you know? And so the, 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 before the camera cuts to another view or another shot. Okay. Well now those are sometimes 30 seconds when the camera cuts sometimes 30 seconds, but they're oftentimes one second. I mean, not 30 seconds, <laughs> half a second. Like that's that's going the wrong way. 
<laughs> you know, that's what just happens when I get going. When I meant when I'm saying 30 seconds, what I meant was it's like half a second. 0.5. Okay. Because like there's 60. 30, yeah. 60. Got it. <laughs> oh boy. Let's just rewind. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So what I mean is they're they're like half of a second. And many of them, you know, one second, maybe two seconds, but we're never seeing these long film clips and you know when when people are making videos of me they're asking for you know for headers they're like okay we need to come up with like six to twelve seconds and we've got to have this many video clips and like for six to twelve seconds you know they need to have all these different clips clip 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 because that's the way we have trained our brains to work that's how the children are now getting trained and so everything is smaller mm-hmm. and smaller sound bites and, and visual bites. And so our eyes are training our brain to not be able to focus. Mm-hmm. That's scary to me. It's yeah. so scary. And if you think of it, look what our phones do. I mean, we're all like Pavlov's dogs, you know, it's like being notification bing the light like the light goes on and the little sound goes and we're so in control because we can pick the sound oh yeah oh yeah it's just the funniest thing and who has not done that who I mean I wish I could say I have not done that but there was a time just yesterday we were in the middle of a family discussion and there was a bing and I reached over and grabbed it and looked at what the bing was. And I was like, oh my word, did I just do that? Because that's not <laughs> my way. Like, I normally go, eh, I don't care. I don't care, you know? But sometimes, anyway, I just did it and I was like, oh no, I did that. Okay, let's go to number two because we got 10 of these. We got to speed it up here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go, go, go. Okay, so number two, um, here's an effect for the brain. Okay, we've improved our ability to multitask, or so we yes. think. <laughs> okay, so people brag all the time about how they can multitask. So, what does this multitasking look like, Paige? What 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 are people doing with their devices as they multitask? It looks like making dinner while watching a YouTube video while talking to your mother on the phone. Yeah. All of it all at the same time. Wow. That's a lot. Okay. I hope I wasn't the mother on the phone. No. Yeah. No, no people (laughs) answer my email or I'm going to, I'm going to do this text while I answer my email and watch a video with my friends all at the same time. And they think that they really can do all of this at the same time, but all of really it's like multiple multiple things are trying to get the attention of the same area of the brain then everything is done half-heartedly and everything is so exactly it reduces brain efficiency and we actually don't retain information so i love to see a good mystery not the kind that are scary but like just the kind that really get you thinking okay so every once in a while, we'll watch mm-hmm. these little clean, like, mystery shows, like Monk or that kind of thing, you know? And and so if I'm watching a Monk and I think I'm going to prep for a class I've got coming up that I need to teach or I'm going to answer emails, that's a joke. 
either I answer emails or follow <laughs> the the what is it? It's an investigation. I will miss what Monk is investigating if I am thinking about my email. Because those two things, to think about the investigation or the, the, the show I'm watching online and to think about the email and to focus on those things takes the same area of the brain. I can't do them both at the same time. So then what happens is mm-hmm. I never really get the best out of anything. My emails are like meh. And they might even have like way typos and they might not even be coherent. And and they might say the word monk in them. I don't know. I sound like an advertisement for monk now, but, um, but I, but then the, um, when, when I get to the end, I'm going to be like, Oh, I want to watch that again. How did he come to that conclusion? Oh, I missed that. Did you see that? I missed that because you can't see it all while you're focusing on two things. So, right. Anyway, okay. Let's talk about number three. Number three gets talked about a lot. Okay, and I would say it it gets talked about the most related to sexual addiction. Okay, but number th- number three is mm-hmm. we've all mm-hmm. become addicts. I mean, yeah, to technology. We absolutely have become addicts to technology, um, and that's. But yeah, so like a lot of times people do refer that to like pornography addictions or whatever. Well, that's... But it's social media oh, addictions yeah. and gaming addictions and well, yeah, stuff in like that. fact, um, the World Health Organization has declared gaming gaming addiction an actual health problem. Like it's like an actual disease. It's on the list. Wow, you know. Of, of diseases that people are dealing with. Many people have to go into rehab. They have to detox from gaming. There are people not leaving their basements for like years. I mean, it's a problem, like a, a big problem. And these people who have to check their feed, have to check their likes again and again and again. Okay. And if you have ever posted anything that you're like, that was a good picture. That was a good post. Okay. Oh, I love that. You know you've gone back to see if anybody saw it. Right? You you know you've done it. Like, everybody has done this. And it can be addictive when you see, oh, 57 people put a heart on my picture. You know? (laughs) whatever well and so because a lot of people there's that addiction because they place a lot of their self-worth on what other people think of what they've done yeah their makeup that day their facial expression and how close to a rapper they can look i don't know i don't understand why people do some (laughs) of the things that they do um i just try to be myself but i do feel like that we can definitely say that we are eating the drug. So when a person sees those likes, when a person gets to the next level, when a person sees someone have a sexual experience, all of those things end up dumping all kinds of dopamine in your system. And that is a drug. And so, Whether like an overflow or even just a drug. It's an overflow. 
your your little receptors cannot take it it gets to be too much and so then you crave it though because you get this dump that happens periodically and that's actually why people go to more and more and more and more stimulation when people get into porn they go to more porn heavier porn harder porn more ugly bdsm you know bad stuff because they are craving that dump that high and it's they start getting desensitized to it and this is why people start spending more and more time doing more and more posting online and and that kind of thing now that's not to say because if you have it at a constant rate then it becomes a normal and then you're like wait but it felt good at the beginning so now i gotta have more yeah exactly so you're not like like, abstaining from it i guess you could say Addict means your brain chemicals need it. Your body needs it and craves it. And that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. So that we're addicts. Okay. We're addicts. That's number three. Okay. Let's, let's move on to number four. Okay. Yeah. So number four, um, it's actually pretty, pretty significant is it's our face to face interactions have been undermined and altered. So this, it's, it's so true. People who are on their phones tend to text way more. And that means like phone calls have decreased. In fact, a lot of people are like, well, I like to text because I, then I can think out my response before I send it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you like to think about what you're going to say. But when you're like on the phone with someone, that mm-hmm. instant conversation is you know, super nice. Yeah. And it kind of shows true colors of people sometimes, actually a lot of times, because you can see, you know, their reactions, you can see what they're going to say in the moment. And so because of technology and screens, people's, I would say people's social skills have plummeted. Totally. In fact, I would say we're zombies. No, we are. We just are looking at a screen. We're not. You know how zombies are kind of like, I mean, okay, I do not watch zombie apocalypse movies. I don't. That There, there is not a kind of movie that would bug me more probably than that kind of movie. But, but you know how they're always just like so dumb and so brain dead and so like, give me whatever it is. Give me that. Give me, you know, it's yeah. like basic conversation. Right, like, right that is what we are um to get our needs met we say give me that i don't want that that stresses me out (laughs) i can't do that i mean i i watched a show the other day all about it was like teenage children and they're all competing for this title and stuff it's a clean show but Mm -hmm. but there are these kids that repeatedly just break down on the show and they say, well, you know, because you're telling me to do that, I, I just can't do that. I can't do that. I won't do that. I can't. I was going to, but I'm not. And I feel like that is zombie. What you are doing is just repeating the same thing over and over again. You're, you're stuck in a loop. You're not even thinking things through. And you're not willing to discuss the adults, even some of the other teens that are on the program with them are trying to get them to discuss and they won't even discuss. They just shut. Because they don't know how to. 
Well, yeah, they want to plan it out first. Mm-hmm. So that they don't get, quote unquote, taken advantage of. Maybe. Yeah, or somehow they come out on top. Maybe it's a manipulative thing because when people manipulate, they want to be the one who comes out on top, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Oh, this is interesting, though. You know, Paige, I call you all the time. I mean, all the time. Oh, yeah. Pretty much every day. Some days we take the day off. But I do do call you a lot because I like to just hear your voice. I like to hear your how you're doing. I can tell when you are distracted by something else. When I call you up (laughs) and you say stuff, but you don't really offer anything up in the conversation, I go, oh. Okay, well, she's in the middle of something right now, so it wasn't a good time. She's not able to focus in. She's got too many other things going on. But I can tell, right? I can tell things because we talk, because I can hear your voice. And so then I know what's going on. It's face to face. When I see you, it's the same thing. I, you know, if we have a a digital conversation where I see your face, that's obviously going to be a lot better. One-to-one really face-to-face is always better. You and I could go on a walk that lasts four hours because we can just talk, you know, for a long time. (laughs) But how sad for family relationships that aren't used to that. If the children and the Mm -hmm. parents are used to sound bites, short bits, planning everything out ahead of time that they're going to say they're going to be manipulating each other instead of just understanding each other yeah yeah because manipulation has to be calculated but truly understanding can be just oh i value this person right now i'm going to listen to what they have to say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's a that's a whole different thing it takes less effort, I'd say, conversationalized, but it takes more effort emotionally. Mm. For sure, actually. You're right. It can be really emotionally draining to not connect with people. Yeah. Or vice versa. You know, which is why people might be texting more because it takes more emotional strength for them to connect with someone. Oh, I and yeah. stay connected. Yeah, because they're not used to it. You know, here's another thing mm-hmm. as far as just our interactions being undermined. And and I I think we need to remember that word undermined. I loved that Tyler Jacobson used that word in his article because this was one of his that he brought up. Undermined. How are they undermined? Is it because there's so many other convenient ways to talk. In fact, I had a conversation the other day with London and I said, London, do you realize that with this person that you're talking to on text all the time, that if you keep texting that much, then you'll never see a reason to actually call on the phone because you will have shared all the basic everything everything yeah so then when you are with someone what is there left to say let's see they've seen a picture of of your favorite moment of your life that day they've seen um 
they've heard your emotions. They've seen your emojis. They know how you felt about this and this and this. <laughs> Supposedly, I mean, some of those emotions can be a little exaggerated on those emojis, but still. I mean, it's a really big one if I'm going to cry when I laugh. But do I put the cry laughy all the time? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, because there isn't one that shows. I mean, that, that is, is my emoji. There isn't one that shows the laughy as good as the cry laughy. Okay. But, but I only it's cry true. laughy a couple of times a year, maybe. I don't know. It's not all. The, I'd say once, once a month. A month I, do, I do get pretty laughy. That's true. But I explained this to her and I said, it's really important that you don't text so much that you don't have anything to say if you're ever going to see the person or have a phone call with the person, because it could actually undermine your opportunity to even see the person and think what that could do with dating. What does everybody do with dating? Oh, you got to text for a while first. Well, then why would you ever, why would you ever even need to meet the person? No wonder people go to sexting and stuff like that because they just develop the relationship there. They can have complete control over their side of it. They don't ever have to be hurt or whatever. And then they can just send bad pictures and say bad things to each other and whatever. You know, I, I feel like, I feel like, um, people aren't putting two and two together. They're not thinking about the long term. I, I think they don't even know what the other side of it is, to be honest. They don't they don't even know that that's a thing. That if they text forever, that I think they do notice at some point they're like, oh, like we have nothing to talk about, so we just text. Like I don't think it even crosses their mind. Yeah, because it's just the normal. Yeah. Yeah. But it was actually really cool. When I met uh, my boyfriend that I have right now, um, he's not much of a texter. And so um, we texted for a little bit, but after a couple texts, you know, he's, he asked me out on a date. How archaic. And then we didn't. How talk. archaic, Paige. Nobody Whoa, does that. I know. <laughs> no, honestly, I was like, when you told me that, I'm like, he's a man. He's like a real man. <laughs> most girls don't even most girls I know. don't even want a real man they want somebody to take them on a date but they don't but then they feel like they'd have to make a commitment to the person so they don't really want that and they want to stay in control and they don't want to get hurt and they have all these different feelings and so they can't even go on a date so they would rather just stick to so texting no what a man sorry i had to interrupt there tell your story tell your story <laughs> but yeah so he you know he, he it was literally just a few texts and he's like, Hey, do you want to go on a date on Tuesday? You know? And I said, of course. Anyway, so then we didn't text for a few days until like the day before he's like, Hey, are we still good for tomorrow? And I'm like, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. And so even after, you know, we became official, like we still don't text very much because we like to be able to, you know, save it until when we're together until until we're you know able to talk with each other face to face and like I'll tell them things here and there like hey I'm, I'm headed your way you know I'll be there soon but that's not our main mode of conversation and it's mainly just to make sure that we are on the same page 
you know, when it comes to travel stuff or different details How about refreshing, a couple things. How refreshing though, right? Yeah. How refreshing because other, because other so guys, nice. it's just been like text, text, text and, and that, but they don't know any difference because that's what everybody's doing. Yeah. Well, and I know I don't have to be worried if he doesn't text me like, oh, is, does he not like me anymore? Cause he's not texting me. No, the man is busy. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. Like the semester just started today. And so like, I'm probably not going to talk to him for most of the day because I have work, he has school and, you know, doesn't really line up. So it's just like, but yeah, I but don't have to worry about that, that because everything that happens in person, yeah, most people aren't that secure is though. so genuine. Most people aren't that secure. That says a lot about the two of you that you're secure enough to not have to send a message every second. That doesn't mean you don't send any messages. Cause of course you, you know, really care about right. each other and we can all tell your Twitter page. You don't hide it very well. No, I don't. I'm loud and proud. Okay. Just fine. fine. Okay. We've got to move on. Uh, We could just sit and talk about Paige's love life forever. But I think the point, (laughs) I think the point was made though. The point was made that it's, it's been such a different relationship to have with a person who really wants to have a one-on-one relationship. And not mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. use the technology to undermine the relationship, but and to control the relationship, but to use the technology just to enhance the relationship and keep people, you know, on the same page and knowing schedules or something. But what it's for, you know, that's what it's for. Yeah, I I love that. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, let's let's move on to five and six. So these ones should be pretty yeah. easy to cover quickly. But number five is. Um, we're becoming more forgetful and it totally makes sense. Yeah. Especially if we're like, you know, we have all these things and we put it into our schedule on our phone so that we, you know, try to remember it that way. But like, just because we're on our phone so much, we're becoming okay, more, more I forgetful. remember my phone number um, from when I was a little child. I remember my phone number yeah. for all of my friends. I remember my grandma's phone number. Do you know that right now I cannot even tell you your phone number and I call you every day. <laughs> I could tell you your phone number yeah, and but my if phone. That's because I've had actually, my phone number remember. since you were a little girl and you had to memorize it before you had a phone. And yeah, so true. you had to call me from the house phone that didn't have it in memory. And so you mm-hmm. had to know my mm-hmm. phone number and, and you had to fill out forms with my phone number on it and stuff like that. But people don't memorize phone numbers anymore. They don't even know. Many people don't even know their own phone number. They have to look it up to tell me, well, hold on. Oh yeah. This is my phone. They, they don't <laughs> even know, you know, it's crazy. So, and, and there has been research that has been done that has proven that millennials are more forgetful than seniors. So the older people, can remember more they have used that part of their brain the millennials have not used that part of their brain that is really sad so here's my one tip on this um don't let your phone remember everything for you and um memorize things start working out that part of your brain you've got to and have your children memorize things too that that's probably i mean we could go on in length and all of these but for that one let's just stick with that Let's move on to number six. Yeah, let's do number six. So number six is um, 
a lot more people, we are getting depression and this anxiety. This makes me sad. I know. And I think a lot of times it's like self-diagnosed. Well, it, it definitely can be. But here's the thing. There are symptoms of depression and anxiety and they're real. And there are many reasons. There are many oh, sure. reasons that a person can experience depression and anxiety. Uh, with all of my foster children, we had multiple cases of depression and anxiety. And we also mm-hmm. knew what needed to happen to help them overcome some of that. Some of it was situational. Some of it was chemical. But we are seeing that. And, and so we're not going to talk about all the different ways a person can have depression and anxiety. But, but one big, right, reason, that's be a one whole big other reason that we know through studies. So there were some researchers. There's been multiple research things done at this point. Um, but in 2018, some great research came out that said they for sure knew that increased hours of screen time were associated with lower well-being in children ages 2 to 17. So they just studied children in particular and childhood depression because childhood depression is a fairly new phenomenon. Children, especially toddlers, mm-hmm. getting depression, what a weird thing, you know? That's just not... Like, what does that even yeah, look like? Or anxiety. I mean, that's just not even ever been a thing. So some teens might have experienced depression and, and some younger children a little bit here and there related to social issues, stuff like that. But this to have so much anxiety and depression in children is really concerning because they have not necessarily been through a lot of trauma, which for some people leads to chemical changes that can alter the psyche and can lead to increased depression and anxiety and stuff like that. So really interesting research here. And what they're saying is that if you are in front of a screen, the longer amount of time you're in front of the screen, the more of a chance that you could have to develop depression and anxiety. And of course, everybody's brain chemicals are different and certain people even genetically can have more of a tendency. My goodness, if a family has a tendency for depression and anxiety, they would want to be staying away from screens like the plague, (laughs) you know? I mean, because already you would know that your family would be more, have more of a tendency to fall into that trap. So we need to be really careful. We know that it's a disease that gaming has been even classified as a disease. Um, You know, we know that there's already lots of hours required of our children right now during this time of quarantine, when there are so many people who are the children who are now doing their school on the computer, all their social happens on the computer and on a digital device, everything. So you take that five to seven hours and now you explode it by how many more hours I could totally see where there would be lack of motivation at the very least possible depression and anxiety and, um, and leading into some of these these next ones that we're going to be talking out about as well. But we need to be aware of that and, and to protect our mental health, our whole physical health. We've got to watch what we're doing with the screens and with the children. They don't need those screens. They, they really don't. They can live happy, awesome. They can be developmentally ahead of all of their peers if they are not attached to screens. And, and that's what I did with my children. And 
it actually worked out really well. There's a point where the screens have to come into the play because that's how business and everything goes. But right. let's move on to number seven. So number seven, I think, is is kind of a big one. And yeah, it really is. And it's, I'd say, probably the most influential. Mm-hmm. So number seven is is the opposite of number seven is the solution actually to a lot of these problems i mean there's multiple different things we could suggest solution wise but number seven is our family bonds are weaker and that's a big deal if your family bonds are weaker do you think that's going to lead to more depression and anxiety the answer is yes yeah oh yeah well and it's really sad when you see a whole family sitting there on each one on their own device oh i have been at and I have been like, at church. I have been at church and seen a whole family sitting on a pew, parents and children all on different devices during church. And I thought, are they multitasking? What are they? I mean, what are they? <laughs> or do they just think they're multitasking? Yeah. And, why, <laughs> and why in the world aren't they just cuddled up like a cute little family and and getting ready to discuss this later? You know, I'm like. Ah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, our family on the way home from church and after church, we usually talk about what happened at church and what 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 lessons mm-hmm. were at church and stuff like that. And and we discuss to have to have bonds, you know, so the family bonds are getting weaker because the attention is put elsewhere and the communication is not as robust within the family because even within the family people are using technology for all of their communications i i've even noticed that i don't get called by my own parents as much but they do they see what i post on facebook or instagram yeah so then they probably really think mm-hmm. there's no need to call me see so maybe i shouldn't post as much <laughs> i don't know <laughs> well I it's an interesting thing anyway so we've got to work on our family bonds and there's so many different ways that you can do that and deliberate things that we do this is why we give you a family activity exactly and this is a a key thing to the meetings we talk about in the teaching self-government program to you know how to have that open communication with each other and giving yourself no answers so that you don't get distracted and stuff there's a lot there so let's talk about eight nine and ten i think we can probably go through these pretty quickly but number number eight okay this one is an irony number eight we have (laughs) less friends yeah in the world where we think that oh we have all of these followers they all like me and all of these friends you know who we've never seen face to face and maybe some of them we have but anyway we think we have so many friends or we want to have all of these friends we want a a thread that goes on forever and ever and people discuss and discuss and whatever because that means we know something and we're important and whatever in this world (laughs) where we are so captivated by our friends on the online game and our friends on the social media we actually have less friends people do not do stuff with each other like they used to yeah well because we have less friends that actually leads to number nine which is we are less productive because we're so worried about our quote-unquote friends that we don't actually get anything worthwhile done. We just 
so true. So true. You know, I, I was just having a conversation the other day with somebody about how you can use these devices as tools to produce. Okay. Which, which, mm-hmm. okay, right now we're, ma- we're making a, oh, which a is what we're doing right now. Yeah. In point. Okay. So, or, <laughs> or you can use these devices as just random distractions and time wasters and they can suck any ability to produce out of your whole day. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? They can go either way. But people are by and large less productive than they used to be and more discouraged that they don't get all the things done that they wish they they could have. And they may even say, I wasn't watching TV. But how many times an hour did you go scroll? How many? Did it take up half the hour? You know, it's interesting. Or are you able to give yourself an instruction to put that thing down and walk away? You know? I say, I think the more and more that we look at, you know, other people's ideas and other people's things, the less and less we are to be creative in our own way, which is number 10. Number 10. So it's true. We really, truly are lacking some creativity. Yeah. Which is actually something that I really appreciate about, Again, my boyfriend. But um, is he, he the top thing on your is, mind right now? I mean, I think he might. Be. You know, <laughs> there's just so many things that I admire about him that are so amazing. But <laughs> so I tend to highlight them, and I like to highlight, you know, the people in my life that really make a difference. Anyway, and so, but he is so creative. I remember there was one time we were on a walk in the morning, and we walked by this house, and he's like, "This house looks mopey and sad," but then this house next door. He looks like he's been here a long time. And so he started doing these voices and different personalities of these houses that we were walking by. I love that. And I'm like, what on earth? Because <laughs> it was the funniest because thing. That shows like a, an improvisational style, right? Oh, so yeah. Such a creative mind. Are people who are comedians, who are actors, actresses, people who create dances, music, uh, art, all those kinds of things, those types of creative people, they have to spend time really analyzing situations a lot. They have to spend time in their own brain. They can't always. Oh, yeah. Which most people don't like exactly. to do. Exactly. And so it takes time to be creative. You know, we just see a person, mm-hmm. we see Experience. a person's Facebook post or uh, that seems funny and we think, oh, that person is just, you know, they're just so funny off the cuff. No, they have sat and thought about what if each of these houses had a personality? What would that be like? Right. And, and they, they <laughs> allow those creative thoughts to come in. They entertain them. They think about them. They sometimes draw them out, paint them out, compose something with them. They allow their brain to go into a different realm besides just what they see in front of it. They don't allow their brain to always be controlled. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. We're talking about control versus not control with all of this. Okay. so. When a person is being undermined by these negative effects of digital media, 
they are allowing their brain, their processing to be controlled, to be scripted. And for what? For money, Mm -hmm. for some company, for power, for some person who has an idea they want everyone to believe for, for whatever. And that's not to say that you, you have to be out of touch. I don't think you do, but but you absolutely have to decide what does freedom look like with this device and and freedom yeah. does not look like just jumping on it every second and allowing whatever you find there to control you or if you have a craving whether it's a sexual craving a social craving or whatever to turn to the device is not freedom no that's bondage yeah that's bondage because it's not because you don't know what to do with yeah, yourself otherwise. exactly. It's not you solving your own problem. Solving your own problem would be saying, okay, how come I'm having this craving, this desire right now? What am I going to do with that? And, and what is my choice going to be? What action am I going to deliberately take? That's called self-mastery. And when you go into self-mastery, or my favorite term, self-government, then you find freedom. But that's all that freedom mm-hmm. only comes with analyzing ahead of time, deciding what direction you want to go. And when you're tempted to go the wrong direction, you give yourself that no answer. That is power, total power. And, and I've told you, I know many times um, that the reason why that you didn't get to have a smartphone when you were 11, 12, 13, like so many of your peers and why, and why, when you did have a phone at first until you were literally almost 18, it was like a month or two before you, you had this little flip phone, dumb phone that we owned, that we allowed you to use. It was actually a slide, oh, was it a slide phone. phone. It was even dumber. Okay. <laughs> it was even a slide phone. Yeah. But, but you had that because we would say, to and we've said this to all of our children these devices have the power to control you until you have enough practice controlling yourself learning self-government and always choosing what's right good and true all the time then you are not ready for this because it either is a tool or a toy right and the toy meaning distraction and something that can control you. And we didn't, we didn't want you guys mm-hmm. to have that. And, and I guess to bring the story back into play here from when you were 18 years old and you were out of the country getting a device and we weren't there to help you govern it at that particular time. That, that was a terrible thing to have happen because that device was so novel and so fun. And even though we'd had those discussions, since we weren't there to help you set those standards on the regular daily basis, right then to prep you for the best usage, then you faltered a bit and you had to, to fix. And probably even to this day, I'm just guessing with devices, you have to tell yourself, Nope, not doing it. Not going to look at it. Sorry, I'm done with you. Yeah, I give myself plenty of no answers. Yeah, you so. have to, right? That's where the freedom comes. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. I remember you and I had a talk. 
And I said, Paige, do you see this is controlling you? Because we all see that this phone is controlling you. And, and this was right after you got home from Ecuador. And we were disappointed with what we saw. And we said, this thing is controlling you. And you looked at me and you said, I think you're right. It is. And so at that point began this moment of how is it not going to control me? Let's make a plan and let's really get serious here. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's a huge thing. And everybody has to face that moment in one place or another. And as much as you want to prepare every single person to make sure they never have to face that moment where it does control them. I think every person has to face that beast at one point or another. The best time to do it is, you know, when they're old enough that they've had a lot of practice controlling themselves already. And when you're there to help walk them through that, that's the way we've set it up with all our children. And it's worked really well. Paige, you were the one, uh, yeah, you were kind of the guinea pig on that. And, and we felt like, oh boy, we, we definitely know what pieces of training need to come in now, you know? And so sadly, but you know, when you conquer yourself, you're always stronger after. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we have hit a wrap here and, um, yeah, this one's a little longer, but it's okay. We, we covered some good points. Some good points, and I hope that everybody sees the importance of self-government, because really, at the end of the day, that's what we need. We need the strength that comes from being able to be in control of ourselves, and all of the skills we teach: how to follow instructions, accept no answers, accept consequences, disagree appropriately, how to pre-teach ourselves, plan for the future, have meetings to check up. All those things that we talk about in our program, they lead to success with all behaviors, even those including digital media and devices. And and we need to protect the brain. You know, we just do. So find more information there on teachingselfgovernment.com. And we will talk to you again next time. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.